The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. For those of you who regularly follow our podcast here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church, you know that we have recently completed two different series out of the third chapter of Colossians. Today's message follows on the heels of the previous series and picks up in verse 22 of chapter 3 and concludes with verse 1 of chapter 4. These verses on their face deal with masters and slaves. But the application is clear to any situation where there's someone in authority over someone else. In fact, this passage teaches us that our real boss is not the man or woman that we look at every day when we go to work, but rather it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether we're an employee or an employer, we should live and act in such a way as to serve Him in everything that we do. Join us today as we look at these important principles regarding masters and servants, employers and employees. But first, we have a song selection that we hope you'll enjoy. Then please stay tuned for the message. Joyful, joyful. Yeah. 
chapter of Colossians. You know, we finished our series on family matters, but God didn't stop in the book of Colossians with just the family. He, you know, he didn't start there either. He started out with saying in chapter 3 and verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And in other words, don't be a worldly Christian, be a heavenly Christian. Be focused upon the things of God and not on the things of this life. And then he, of course, took us down through verse 17, said, Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And everything we do, we should give thanks and keep in mind what it is that we have in Christ. And then he began in verse 18 to talk about wives, and verse 19 about husbands, verse 20 and 21 about children and parents. And then he comes down to verse 22, which is not within the realm of the family uh, discussion, but it is very much a real discussion about our real lives. And this is what he says in verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ." But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. And then verse 1 of chapter 4, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. This morning I want to preach to you about your real boss. Your real boss. All of us here have worked for somebody at some point. Sometimes you may have been a boss or a supervisor. You may be in that position now. And you may have had a good boss. You may have had a bad boss. You may have had a godly boss. You may have had an ungodly boss. 
But I'm not too worried about your direct supervisor this morning. I want to talk to you about your real boss. Your real boss. Because your real boss is not that man or woman you're looking at on the assembly line or whatever your job is. It's the Lord in heaven. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. See, often we think there's a difference in our church life and the rest of our lives. I want to say to you this morning that any divide between the sacred and the secular is an artificial divide and it's unbiblical. Because according to Luke chapter 17, if you remember over there when the Pharisees came to Jesus and he, they asked him when the kingdom of God should come, his answer was this, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say lo here or lo there, for behold the kingdom of God is within you. Do you know that every time you leave this church, every Sunday morning we gather here, we're not coming to the kingdom of God and then leaving the kingdom of God. I mean, I understand that this place here is the visible aspect of the kingdom of God. I, I realize, you know, there's a sense, we've talked about this before, where the kingdom of God is, is too big to preach about, really, in one sermon. You know, in one sense, it's every elect child of God everywhere. But this visible aspect of the kingdom of God is the church, but the kingdom of God is within you. It is a spiritual kingdom. It's also not something we're waiting on to come one day. We're talking about something that is here and now, and there's a king over it. And it's not you. <laughs> it's not me. I like to think I'm the king of my life, right? Remember this, what was that, the Titanic? I'm the king of the world. No, you're not. <laughs> You're not. You're not even the king of your own life. You may act like it. You may want to be. I do. I struggle with that. But there's a king over the kingdom within you. And you don't leave it behind you when you leave the church. You know, Sunday morning religion is the bane of the modern religious world. Some, you know, people think, well, I can just come here on Sunday and get that out of the way and then move on with the rest of my life. Beloved, the rest of your life ought to be centered around the kingdom of God. Now listen, let me tell you again, once again, I have to confess, I have to, I have to lay it out there. I struggle with it too. Some people, I've heard people say, well, you're a preacher, you don't have the same. Listen, I have them worse in many ways. I think the devil, I know the devil would love to tear his preachers down as much as anybody or even more in some ways. But I'm telling you, we all struggle with it, but it should, Sunday morning religion, we need to forget that idea. We are constantly, daily, carrying with us the kingdom of God. And Paul, as I said here, he's dealt with family relationships. Now he's stepping off into work relationships. Now, let's get this out of the way before we go any further. I, let's talk about God and slavery because notice what it says here. It says, servants, obey in all things your masters. The word servant there literally means slave. And I sometimes get accused that, well, your Bible promotes and encourages slavery. Let me tell you something. The Bible does not promote or even condone slavery. There's been efforts in time past to justify slavery through Scripture, but it cannot be justified. But you need to understand that in the day that this was written, slavery was a fact of life. The Romans utilized slavery. It was just a part of their economic system. In fact, it was part of the reason that they ended up falling and, the, and part of the problem with the system was they, when you build a whole system upon slavery, eventually you have issues. And, and, and in Roman times, slavery was a fact of life. The slaves had no rights. 
They could be freed under certain circumstances, but they were largely ignored in public commerce as far as being the decision makers, although they were a very important part of their economic system. But Romans wouldn't have really given any rights to their slaves or thought very much about their slaves or even thought about them being active in their religious life. That would have been something they would have thought was foreign. You know, you got the slaves way down here and then you got the masters here and then over them were some other leaders and masters and, you know, the Romans would conquer a people and enslave them and uh, rule over them. So here we got a system that uh, promotes and uses slavery But the Bible does something interesting with slavery. In Colossians chapter 3, we've just read it here earlier in our series on Colossians. Beginning there in verse, uh, let's just look at verse 8, something we've already looked at. Notice when he's telling them to put off some things. He says, put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another. You know, talking to the church members here that are on the same footing, he says, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now listen to this. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. That was a huge divide in that day in social life. But you know what the gospel does? It puts the Greek and the Jew on the same level. Circumcision or uncircumcision, talking about the same thing. Barbarian, Scythian, those were peoples that... Uh, were looked down upon, and some had been conquered by the Romans. But notice this, bond nor free. You know what the gospel does? The gospel elevates the slave from his ignominious position, the place of not having any rights or any privileges whatsoever, and he brings down the masters who were uh, held, held the power of life and death over their slaves and puts them on equal footing. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, Paul writes to the Galatians and says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, now, you know, maybe in that day in certain religions you'd have those who were masters and high up in the, in the social ladder there. They might sit up way up here in their religious circles and the slaves might not even be allowed into the religious circles. But notice what Paul says here. He said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, Jesus ministered to all. He ministered to a Samaritan woman who was looked down upon and would not, not only was she looked down upon by the Jews, she was looked down upon by her people because she'd been married five times and was living with a man right then. Now, Jesus didn't condone that sinful relationship, but what he did do is he embraced her as one of his children. You know the lady that was caught in adultery? And they brought her out there to test, tempt Jesus and see what he was going to say. The law says that we need to stone her, Jesus. What are you going to say about that? Because they knew if he said, yeah, stone her, that would go against the Roman law. And if he said, no, don't stone her, that would go against Jewish law. And it would discredit him either way, cause him problems either way. You know the answer there. He said, ye who are without sin, cast the first stone. (laughs) And, of course, they all just kind of slipped away, we're told. But then he didn't say, okay, woman, it's okay what you've done. Everything's cool. We're, you know, chill, whatever. 
He said, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. See, he wasn't condoning it. But what he was saying was this, is that there is no hierarchy within the church. I know I'm your pastor. I get that. And in a sense, I'm a leader. I'm, you know, he even calls it ruling over you. But that's only talking about spiritual matters. And only in as much as I stay consistent with the word of God. You know, you're not stuck with me for life. If I get up here and start preaching heresy, then y'all need to run me off. <laughs> if I get up here and start doing things I shouldn't, and I, you know, I'm, I'm no better than you. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not in any sense of, of, of the kingdom here higher than you or anybody else. And you're not lower than anybody in the kingdom. We're all here on the same level. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I've always heard that, and it is so true. See, the Bible does not promote slavery. Read, read Philemon sometime, and you'll read about a runaway slave that Paul uh, befriended and that uh, converted to the truth, and he sends him back and says, you treat him right for the gospel's sake. You treat him in a godly way to his, his, former, his former master. So you see, the Bible does not promote slavery, but this is, the most, this is so important to remember about the scripture. The Bible does apply even to the slave. See, one of the great miracles of scripture, in my humble opinion, is that it deals with life as it is. It meets you wherever you are in whatever condition you are in. And it reminds us to serve God no matter what our circumstances are. See, the Bible is a reality book. It deals with reality. Okay, it does not require us to set up some utopian society. You don't have to start serving God once things get right in your life. You may be a slave here in this day. You may have been a slave in the time that Paul is writing this to the Colossians. He says the Bible applies, the gospel applies to you. God is still your master. He's your real master. You may have been a slave owner in that day. He said, listen, I don't care where you are. You may be in circumstances that you would rather not be in, but God is still your master as well. You see, the Bible deals with reality. It does not require some kind of perfect society. In fact, it presupposes a sin-cursed society, a society that's been afflicted by the fall of Adam, and it provides good news to those of us who are afflicted within this sin-cursed society. And so we say, well, preacher, how does this apply to us today? Because we don't have slavery anymore, and praise God for that. But you know, there's some parallels here that I believe, I don't believe it applied just to slaves. See, the Bible here is addressing slavery directly, but indirectly it's also addressing any situation where you are working under authority or you have some authority in your work. You see here, the Bible, again, is as modern and up-to-date as this morning's Tuscaloosa News. Today, there's a lot of struggle, is there not, and has been throughout time between labor and management, employers and employees. You know, the conflict... <laughs> There's conflict within those ranks. There's, there's selfishness. There's unreasonableness on both sides. You know, maybe even today it seems like things are even worse. Employees, people that are looking for jobs, they want a job where they don't work, want to work hard. They don't want to work very many hours. They want more vacation, more pay and benefits. None of those things are bad in and of themselves. 
you can find a good job with good pay and good benefits, praise the Lord for it. But employers, on the other hand, they want more productivity. They want more profits. They, they're concerned with the bottom line, right? That's what most corporations are about. So how should we as Christians conduct ourselves in our workplaces? And, and once again, the Bible provides the answers. So let's look at this for a few minutes this morning as we uh, continue on here in chapter 3 of Colossians. He says in verse 22, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Let's look at God and an employee. God and employees. This is the first thing you need to remember, child of God. We all need to remember is that our job site, our workplace is God's workplace. It's God's workplace. Paul's reminding him here. He says, he says, you serve God and not man. So he says, whatsoever, he says, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. He's just told us whatsoever we do, he says, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That includes our workplace. So what this means is this, is that we should go to work as if Jesus himself is our immediate supervisor. Now think about that. Does that not put a different perspective on things? Maybe you don't have a really good supervisor. Maybe you don't like that person. Maybe they're not good to you. But he's not your real boss. Your real boss is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that means that if you're a secretary, you're typing that letter as if Jesus himself was going to sign it. If you're building a building, you're building that building as if Jesus himself were going to inspect it. If you're herding those cattle, then you're herding those cattle, remembering that Jesus himself owns those cattle. You see, if you're renovating a home, you're renovating that home as if Jesus himself was going to live there. You know, I, I, all these situations, I, I know of people who've had problems, and I myself have had problems in these very types of situations where the person that was directly supervising me really, you know, didn't, didn't, we didn't get along that well. But the problem is, is that I've, when I get to focusing upon that, I lose heart, I start wanting to cut corners. But we need to remember that Jesus, Jesus himself is our ball. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus was your boss, would you roll your eyes when he told you to do something? <laughs> now listen, I, I told you I'm, I'm not going to really openly confess here, but let's just say that I identify with a lot of these. If Jesus was your boss, would you try to figure out a way to get out of what he told you to do? If Jesus was your boss, would you try to cut corners and shore it up to make it look good, but it really wasn't what you were supposed to be doing? If Jesus was your boss, would you argue with him when he gave you an assignment to do? <laughs> now look, I, I get it. I'm not, remember what I said, the Bible deals with reality. You know, the person that's directly over you is not Jesus. And there's a place for you to bring to that person's attention problems with their instructions and that sort of thing, but you better do it in a way that you remember that you're serving the Lord, you see. So the point is, is you, whereas you might want to go off on your boss, you might want to curse them out maybe, but remember that Jesus is your real boss. Would you do that to him? 
You wouldn't do that to him. And you shouldn't do that to the one that you're dealing with. See, all these commandments in Colossians 3 apply to everyday life. Everywhere we go, whether it's job, family, home, work, social settings, it applies. Your job is your job site is God's job site. Your workplace is God's workplace. And your job, child of God, is to serve God diligently. Remember what he said here in verse 22? Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. In other words, not just doing your job when somebody's watching. So that word eye service it's talking about service that's performed only under the master's eye. Now, I know people like that. I do. And I'm sure you do as well. The ones that only work when the boss is looking. They, maybe they leave early without permission to get somebody else to clock them out. You know, I, I know those folks. But he says, don't do that. It's not about, you know, that's, character is about what you do when nobody's watching. Your character is defined by how you act and how you live when you're all alone and nobody will ever find out what you've been doing. Of course, see, the thing is, as a child of God, we remember that our real boss sees everything. You may get it by your earthly boss, but our real boss knows exactly what we're doing. And so he says, not with eye service, but in singleness of heart. Singleness. That word singleness there means simplicity. And the idea here is that there are no ulterior motives. There's no underlying scheme. You know, I've had the situation where I've worked for people and had co-workers that I knew were out to undermine me. And, uh, and I've had situations where I've been the boss and I've had employees that I knew were eye service employees. They were pleasing me, but they, were, they had an ulterior motive. They were working behind the scenes to stir up problems. And you see, that's not what we're to do. We're not to be eye service employees, but we are to be serving our, uh, our employer with singleness of heart, fearing God. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.